0: Welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a Kidman leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode, featuring a favorite presentation from one of our training experiences. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and Institutes of Children's Ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children. some practical ways that you can enhance the serving ministry that you might be doing with your children already but also I'm hoping that the holy spirit will inspire you to go deeper and broader in helping your kids serve Christ and make an impact in their own worlds kids love to be active they love doing things they always want to help don't they you walk they walk into the classroom can I help can I help so if we can harness that energy that they have and the excitement that they have for serving God, we can, we can make an, a, an army of God's servants that will impact their world and the next generation. So I want you to think about yourself for a minute. Think about when you were a child, when you weren't doing homework or you weren't in school or you weren't going to church or you, you weren't doing chores around the house. If you just had free time, to dream and play and create and do whatever it was that you liked to do as a child. Think about what was that, or what were those couple of things that you liked to do? And then I want you, you to turn to someone next to you and tell them, what was it that you loved to do when you were a little kid when you had some free time? Take a minute to do that. Okay, all right. So it's it's kind of fun to think about ourselves as kids and maybe compare that to what we actually are doing now as adults. Do you see any similarities to what you liked to do when you were a kid and what you're doing now serving Christ or just in your everyday lives? I know when I was a little kid, some of the things I did is I made my poor sisters have to always be in little plays with me. And sometimes our dog had to play... um, the donkey and the camel and all the parts in Jesus, um, in the Christmas story, in Jesus' birth. And our neighborhood, I would gather kids together and we'd put on little talent shows and plays. Well, that is one of the main things that I do in our children's ministry now. Kids' choir, big musical productions. I write dramas for our Sunday morning ministries. Who would have thought, you know? Um, This is so crazy. This shows how far, how Long ago, this was, but I also, uh, one other person to I me, mean, we would write a little newspaper about things that were going on on our street. And to just show how old this was, we'd handwrite it with a pencil, and we had carbon paper. <laughs> between two pieces of paper so we could duplicate what we were writing and hand out to the neighbors, our little newspaper. Well, well, that's all I do now is write newsletters, articles, little, you know, all sorts of things. Right, 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 right. Um, So it's funny how, not funny, it's God's plan that what he invested in us, and hopefully we got some experience when we were children to do, that's how he's still using us right now. I know um, another thing that I I did that when I look back, I think, what in the world were the parents thinking about? But I had a little, it would be a combination preschool, regular elementary school and Sunday school thing in my garage. And I'd set up tables and little chairs and sawhorses with boards across so that kids could come in and sit at little desks. So I could teach them God's word or I could read stories to them. And I actually made a little bit of money doing that a few summers, if you can believe that. And so what is that? That's exactly what a children's pastor does. And who would have known? When I was a little kid, I would have never thought about being a children's pastor or even had that vision or that that example in my life. Kids today we can show them everything we can model everything to them we can mentor them in ways that I could have never dreamed of when I was a little kid so today that's what we're going to talk about is how can we involve children in ministry and how can we as leaders mentor them and model the work of the ministry for them so it becomes a natural course in their lives so we're going to try to fly through some of the reasons why but the reason I want to talk about why I know that I'm I'm speaking to the choir here I know we're all in children's ministry and i know that you've got children active and busy in your churches but i think sometimes it's it's good for us to pause and think about the reasons why we do things so we can make it more pri- priority in our ministries and in our lives uh, listen if there's one thing i know when kids are serving when they're doing ministry tasks it's kind of messy could be loud it's not polished performance It's more work for the leaders, sometimes for the kids to help us. But if we don't give them opportunity to serve, if we don't train them how to do it, if we don't harness the gifts and the skills and the talents that God has given them, then what in the world is going to come behind us? And so we want the next generation to stand on our shoulders and do better for the Lord than we're doing. That's my heart, my goal. So As we go through these whys, we're going through them not because I don't think you know this, but because I think it's good to be reminded, all right? So first of all, helping kids or involving kids in the ministry helps them find their place in the body of Christ. You know, sometimes kids don't think that they have any real ministry value. They're just there because mom and dad are coming to church, and their friends are there, and it's kind of fun, and so that's that. But we want them to see that their attendance at church and their ministry involvement helps them to find their place in the body of Christ. You know, as I've sat here in our sessions and I've been so incredibly blessed by our speakers, by watching you, by the the ministry that I've seen um, people um, back and forth praying for one another and ministering to one another, you have blessed my heart. But let me tell you something that happens as I'm sitting. I I hear Pastor Brian saying one or two things, and I'm like, well, I was going to say something about that. I hear Sister Kathy refer to a scripture, and I'm like, well, I'm going to be talking about that scripture, too. (laughs) But you know what? God, he gives us the same message, two and three and four, and sometimes ten ways to knock us up to the side of the head, that he's speaking to us. So I think one or two things I'm going to say today we've already heard once or twice, and I say, God, thank you. Obviously, this is the message that you want us to hear and want us to know. So this is what I've heard Kathy say a couple times, and this is one of my favorite scriptures about this subject. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says, So it was Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of excuse me, <laughs> to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. I highlighted the words I want us, wanted us to see out of that, that whole couple of verses there. It was Christ himself who set the the positions in church, the gifts that will help the church operate. But you see, he didn't say, because you're professional and you're already trained and you already know how to do this. He said, so that in this, that we would reach the full measure of the fullness of Christ and become mature. I can see children right there in those words, that there's a process when you're talking about gaining maturity into something that you're doing. And so children can become mature in serving Christ and finding their place in the body of Christ. And that's part of our role as children's ministers, to help kids become mature in serving Christ and finding that place that they belong, that they're not just attenders, or they're just sitting in a chair in children's church, but they're becoming mature in finding their place in the body of Christ as they're serving in some of these positions. You know, every now and then, I'll have a child who will say something to me that's so perceptive and so beyond their years. I'll say to myself, am I speaking to a prophet? (laughs) You know, God has already put these gifts inside the children. Just like we were talking about the things that we like to do when we were children. The Holy Spirit is not a little bitty like nine-year-old Holy Spirit inside a nine-year-old. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He's already mature. And as we allow children to have experiences in Christ that maturity that's already there will follow up with their little hands and feet and their, their words and so forth. So God has equipped the church with these spiritual gifts and more to be used for the work of the ministry and we need to help kids mature in those gifts that God has already given to them. Ephesians 2.10 also um, backs this up and says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We heard the scripture already, I think, yesterday in Jeremiah that says that God knew us when we were still in our mother's womb. In advance, he already prepared for children to serve him and to do the works of the ministry because he created them and put them together to serve him. God has planned and prepared for each child's life, just like he has for us. You know, now we've got the perspective that we can see a little bit more clearly how God has gifted us, how he uses us. We've found a place in the body of Christ. You know, I'm always saying... I think there's one more thing that God has for me. And then I, I get to accomplish something in that. And i think, I think there's one more thing. I don't think we ever fully attain everything that God has for us. I think that we just continue on in that process. But we have perspective, don't we? We can see how God is using our gifts and skills. And for us to help children find their place in the body of Christ, um, to use the gifts and talents that he planned for them is a huge um, blessing for us to help them find that. All right. Uh, Number, the the second reason that we want to have kids serve and give them opportunity is serving helps kids become more like Jesus himself. So we're going to look in John 13. This is a, a bit of the example when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example. I'm sorry, that whiteboard's in my way. I've given you an example for you to follow. Do as I have done to you. He didn't say, Adults, do as I have done. He's saying, you, believers, followers of Christ, do as I have done. And, of course, we know here that Jesus, in this example, was was setting setting forth the example of servant leadership and servanthood. And so what a beautiful example for our kids to become more like Jesus. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Helping our kids to become more like Jesus with their peers. This is a hard thing for kids to do. Children are naturally self-centered. I mean, I'm naturally (laughs) self-centered. We're all self-centered, but if you think about an infant, there is nothing cuter or sweeter than an infant, but there is nothing more self-centered on this planet than an infant. If they're hungry, They do not care if it's three o'clock in the morning and you've only had two hours of sleep. If they need to be changed, they don't care if you're in the middle of an important phone call with someone that you've been waiting to talk to for two days. If they are uncomfortable in any way, they don't care what else is happening in the world. They want you to take care of them right at that moment. And of course, it's protection for them. That little babies are gonna let us know. But that self-centeredness continues on through childhood. Kids are all about their comfort, what they want at that moment, They don't want to wait. And all our lives... That flesh, always we want our own way. We, we had that self-centeredness that we have to continually give to the Lord. But one of the best ways that we can get out of self-centeredness is by serving others. And when we see someone else is in need or someone else's situation is more difficult than ours or just the fact that we're serving in Jesus' name can help move children away from that natural incl- inclination for self-centeredness or it's all about me. Um, When we become others-centered, we can help children begin to see the value and the importance of servanthood in serving Christ and serving others in their lives. So we need to regularly offer kids a variety of opportunities for them to serve so that they can become more Christ-like. Okay, also, giving children an opportunity to serve helps build into kids a love of serving God at an early age, an early age why wait? Why do we have to wait until people are adults to serve? Well, we don't, of course, and so it's important that we build our kids' um, church experiences and their experiences of Experiences in the presence of the Lord around serving, so that serving becomes a natural part of their development and their growth, and could it even be part of their character that they are going to look for opportunities to serve and put others before themselves? So we want to start serving kids, having kids serve at an early age. Satan's schemes begin early, and <laughs> we, the church, we cannot be behind. I. I am so grieved, and I know you are too, about the news, about some of the most horrific things I've ever heard in my life that relate to abortion. I mean, I, I could just literally begin to weep about that right now, to think about what Satan is trying to is doing, is doing to our children, to the, the most innocent ones in the womb. Don't think that he's not trying to do the same thing with our seven-year-olds and our nine-year-olds and and so forth. So if Satan begins early, we've got to begin earlier. We have got to begin earlier. We've got to be strong. We've got to help kids know the importance of serving Christ. And there's many more things, but this is the topic we're talking about today. You know, we've had, we have had some generations of children, and I hope this is not the case anymore. I don't I think it is so much, but just I just want to say this. Um, we've had some generations where we've told children to sit down and be quiet in church. But no, no more. We're going to draw a line in the sand and we're going to say, not under my watch. I want kids to be active and doing and serving God. And, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so aggravated with the adults because they're like, well, yeah, you know, I'll come and help you when I can if I'm not doing this or just let me know if you need somebody. If I had to call everybody who said to me, let me know if you need somebody, that's all I would be doing is calling people back. No, we need you. And so get up, come and help, come and serve, make an impact on this generation. But we don't want our children to be um, in that situation. We want them to be up and active. And if our classrooms are a little loud, if it's a little messy in there, if things aren't a polished performance, so be it if we're training kids to serve God. As we instill that desire in kids to serve God and to love his people, it will impact the next generation. And we might not be here to see it with our eyes, but we know that the seeds we're planting today will have great harvest and great fruit as these children grow up. You know the scripture um, in Proverbs 22, 6, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And I- God has been so faithful in my ministry life for me to actually be able to see some fruit of that. You know, children's ministry is a faith ministry. We pour our lives into kids, and we work hard at it. We work probably more hours than we should sometimes But our eyes don't always get to see the fruit of our labors, do they? Either, you know, kids grow up and we don't have a relationship with them anymore. They change churches. They move away. You know, whatever happens. You know, I've you know probably ministered to, you know, 1,000 or 2,000 kids maybe over my lifetime. And I don't know the majority of them anymore. However, there have been a few of them who have stuck with me through the years. And now because of Facebook, I'm also connecting with so many of them again. I actually can see some of the fruit of the seeds that were planted in childhood, in their their, their adulthood, and what a blessing. You know, that just made me like Facebook a lot, right there, <laughs> because, and I like Facebook fine, but um, what a blessing that now we're able to connect with people that we wouldn't have been able to earlier. And so, children's leaders, be encouraged. When you see some kids that you've ministered to who are now teenagers, young adults, whatever, serving God, No by faith that you had a hand in that, the seeds that you planted were planted in fertile soil. So my point was Proverbs 22, 6. It's wonderful to see that come to pass in the lives of our kids. Here's the thing about that. So children's ministry is a faith ministry, but as we're training children to serve God and be busy about his work, we are shaping the future church. We're shaping the future church. Listen, nobody really reacted, so I want you to say that to your neighbor. I am helping shape the future church. Yes, thank you. Say it. I am helping shape the future church. Thank you. (laughs) That, you guys, that is so important, but it's, it's a secret, hidden part of the ministry. Listen. People in big church do not know what's happening in our children's church. Sometimes, unfortunately, even moms and dads don't always know what's happening. And and by God's grace and God's help, we're closing that gap. All right, but it's a secret, hidden truth that we are shaping the future church. And let me prove it to you. So, if I'm, I can see that some of you around this room have been in ministry as long as me, and then some of you haven't. So I'm maybe talking to those of us who have been around for a while, but. When several years ago, I began to see younger pastors um, begin pastoring and taking over churches, and I saw some things like this happen. See if any of this seems familiar to you. I saw platforms being cleared of pianos, organs, uh, you know, pew-looking things, whatever, and uh, worship teams being um, installed and, and different kinds of instruments. No choirs, maybe, or not that often dramatized sermons, visual aids, uh, maybe a a couch on the the platform and the pastor would speak from sitting on the couch or whatever, or this kind of table arrangement, sitting down on a stool, casual environment. People were really engaged. Sometimes they'd call people up on the platform to answer something or do something or there'd be little testimonies or something. Completely different than like a previous generation. When I began seeing that, I said, these pastors were so impacted by their children's pastors and the children's ministry style. I said, praise the Lord, those seeds we planted, we're seeing the fruition right now in the younger pastors. Now, this is not brand new now, so even some of those younger pastors are getting middle-aged themselves. But, but I could see it. I, and I said this so many times people. I'm like, they are just doing children's church up there on that platform. But I, I love it. I love it. So what we're doing is so important and it's so vital. I'm gonna read a little true story to you. Once there was a four-year-old girl named Amanda. Amanda was being raised in a Christian family and in a local church. One day, Amanda's mom noticed there was not much sound coming from Amanda's room where she was playing. So mom went to check. To her delight, what she saw was Amanda with a row of stuffed animals and dolls lined up in her room. Amanda was in front of them, teaching them God's word. Amanda told her mom they were having children's church. As Amanda grew, she served alongside her parents at church. Sometimes it was janitorial work, sweeping floors, dumping trash, and hauling boxes. Later, as she matured, it was working in children's church, passing out snacks, monitoring kids' behavior, doing puppets, or acting in a skit. As a teen, Amanda was asked to serve as a camp counselor, which included calming homesick kids, getting them dressed, and even helping eight little girls explore God's word during daily cabin devotions. She also used the drama and puppetry skills she had learned in her elementary years on several missions trips during her teen years. Later, Amanda earned a college degree in biblical studies. Upon graduating from college, she interned at a large children's ministry to gain practical leadership skills. She co-led a traveling puppet ministry team of young adults for an entire summer as I ministered and served across the country. And she and her husband began their own children's evangelism ministry and then served in local church ministry full-time without pay for nearly three years, living strictly by faith. Today, Amanda is 27 years old and is co-pastoring a large local church children's ministry with her husband, starting the entire process of training kids, mentoring, and teaching them to serve all over again. The end. Actually, not the end. Amanda's actually like 38 years old now. I wrote that a long time ago, obviously, and that's my daughter that I was writing about. And I'm I'm sure many of you have got the same story with your children. But I wrote that as a reminder to myself that the work that we're doing at home with our own personal children and at church is vital and necessary. If she hadn't had to sweep floors and haul boxes in church— had to go to lots and lots of puppet practices, learned how to share her faith so she'd be prepared for missions trips, had to deal with behavior problems in a uh, camp cabin situation, So on and so forth, she would not have been prepared for the works of the ministry when later on she and her husband were traveling by faith, when they worked in a local church for three years uh, with no pay and had to be bivocational. She would not have been able to do those works of the ministry as an adult if she had not had those ministry experiences as a child. And so it's in my own home I've seen it, in our own children's ministries I've seen it, and I know you've experienced it too. But my point about that little story is that it's hard work for us to make place for children to have the ministry opportunities that they need to have. It's on our shoulders. It's our responsibility to create opportunity for them to serve. Listen, it's a whole lot easier for us just to go into children's church, plan a, a sweet little service for the kids, have the service, and then we go home. It's a lot harder to develop ministry teams to serve in this area, to do that function, provide that role. It's a lot harder, but it's important and it's vital, and that's how we pass that um, opportunity to the next generation and that they stand on our shoulders, like I said a minute ago. All right, serving in God's house or serving in serving Christ provides an opportunity for involvement. I think I've kind of been talking all around that right now, but we don't want our kids ever to feel like they're just at church because mom and dad brought them to church, and now they're going to sit and watch a video and have a snack in children's church. We want them to know that God called them there. There's a plan and a purpose for them being there, and that they'll be actively serving God, receiving from God too, but actively serving God when they're in God's house. Serving uh, in church and doing ministry projects is not just a cute thing for them to do. It's authentic ministry and it's a privilege for us to allow children to serve God in his house. All right, now this is sort of self-serving, but I put this in anyways. (laughs) Children serving in God's house adds a great recruitment tool to your ministry. Now, I don't know about you, but it takes a lot of hands to pull off our children's church services. You know, Hopefully, I hope I'm not speaking to anyone here that you are the Lone Ranger and you are doing children's church and you're the only one in that classroom. First of all, that's not safe procedures. But secondly, every one of us can multiply ourselves immediately by just getting one partner with us. You've doubled your team if you just get one. Once you've got two, it's easy for each one of you to get more. And so then you've got four. Now, for me, (laughs) this is crazy, but it takes a minimum. In the first through fifth grade, it takes a minimum of 18 people to run our children's church the way that we want it to do. And when we have 18, we're still doubling up on some roles. I like to have about 25 adults in there, but so about 18. That's not including the preschool ministry. That's not including the nursery ministry. And listen, I'm speaking to those of you who are recruiting people every single week. It's not easy. Sometimes I've this is so not spiritual, but sometimes I feel like it's hurting cats. Like I recruit three, one leaves. We recruit two, two more leave. I recruit three, what, you know what I'm saying? Or if they don't leave, it's like this, and for our county this week, it was fall break, so we've had two weekends of everybody coming to the mountains. They're probably up here in Asheville, actually, (laughs) coming to the mountains, and so, you know, to get the number of people that we need, it's difficult. So children, can fill in some of those gaps, praise the Lord, if you train them. You can't just throw a kid into a, a, a ministry job and expect them to do it, but um, children can provide needed services. So, for example, I'm going to just read a list. This is just a random list of things. Some of these things I do and some I don't, but if you're going to pull off a children's church service, you need a children's pastor, a media person, maybe a lights operator, some kind of prize candy person uh, registration check-in personnel adult shepherds or small group leaders teachers ushers helping hands team praise and worship leader praise and worship musicians and singers drama or puppet team leader drama characters and puppeteers review games leader, someone to listen to the memory verses they've memorized birthday treat supplier prayer team prayer team leader oh my gosh that's just overwhelming that, how could you possibly do all that how, the list goes on and on and on the recruitment burden is is enormous even if you cut that in half now i'm not saying that we need all of that every week forever and ever but let me tell you when people when you recruit people and into serving in ministry or when someone does make themselves available I try to devise areas for them to serve according to their gifts and talents and skills. So if a prayer warrior comes to me, I'm going to put her on my prayer team, and I'm going to also ask her to develop and lead a children's prayer team, okay? If someone comes to me and they're super in video editing or whatever, all of a sudden I'm going to have a kid's video team right along with them, okay? It doesn't mean we have to have a video team in order to run the children's church service, but anyone who comes to you with any set of gifts or skills— use them in children's ministry, and then develop a a team of children around them for them to mentor and pour their knowledge and their experience into that child, okay? But training kids in ministry is needed because they can fill some of those roles. Now, let's just talk media, for example, for, for a minute I don't know about you, but my children's church services have become very media-oriented and media-driven through the years. So years ago, when we first started using PowerPoint, I would let a kid run the PowerPoint because I, I wasn't using it that much. <laughs> you know, okay, you can press the arrow to put that verse up, and that would be it during the whole entire service or whatever. But now, we're so media-driven. I, re- I have adults or teens who, who run the media for me. However, we have light switches in the room that are not near that media and those lights have to be turned off and on a couple times during service. So that is a media job for a child to turn those light switches off and on. Um, We have a spotlight, we have a video camera and kids get to operate all those and they love that. But it's because I've got some media people who can supervise them. If I didn't have the media people to train them and supervise them, I wouldn't have any of that happening, okay? So the recruitment um, and the skills that people bring into your service can help you but also to help train kids. Here's the other thing about kids. Kids are committed when, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the practical side of this in a minute, but kids are committed to leaders who build God's word into their lives and pour their own lives into mentoring them. And kids will stick with you. And I'm t- a couple of things that, that happens behavior problems are reduced when you have a relationship with children and you have a relationship by spending time with kids and when you're in a small group mentoring situation in a prayer team or a kids praise team or a sign language team or a media team or a puppet team or fill in the blank team whatever it is that you have and those children are being mentored by a godly adult with those skills or maybe they don't have those skills and you've just roped them into it. But <laughs> when children ha- have an opportunity to be mentored by adults, they will stick with you and with those adults and the behavior problems will be gone. And I'll tell you, those kids will flock back to you when they're in high school and college and even later. God has blessed me so much. I um, the, Some of the children that I began a relationship with as a children's pastor, and they were in preschool, three and four-year-olds who are now in their late 30s, almost forty. <laughs> some of those kids are still with me and they are parents of kids who are already getting out of elementary school age I've got, I have got leadership in my summer camp who came up through my summer camp I've got leadership in my performing arts camp who came up through performing arts camp as children it's unbelievable and that speaks to mentoring children spending time with them having a relationship with them and allowing them to do authentic ministry it's a blessing, and, and I love the fact that they will stick, stick with us and come back. Um, also, training children to serve Christ offers mentoring of children by adults. And I think I, I mainly just said that point, but let's look at the scripture that goes along with that. 2 Timothy Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And I highlighted the words that I did to show the relationship between Paul and Timothy was the mentor and mentor mentee. However, they also had a father-son relationship. And I know that we we develop those relationships with the kids in our ministry. We love them. We care about them. We want the best for them. We want um, Jesus residing big in their lives. We want um, them to serve him. And that was the same relationship that Paul had with Timothy. But then he also honored and, re- and reminded Timothy of the fact that his mother and grandmother had passed their faith from generation to generation. And, and Paul um, affirmed that. But then he also said that he had personal ministry with Timothy. He laid his hands on Timothy. And that shows me they had a personal and close relationship. This is a great example of what we should be doing with our children in our children's ministries. If everything is a large group, setting. Mentoring doesn't happen. We've got to break down those large groups into smaller groups that we can mentor kids. And in what we're talking about today, mentoring to serve Christ. All right, so are there biblical examples of kids serving God who were mentored by adults? So these are going to all be familiar Bible stories, but I want you to look at them through the lens of the adult mentor. All right. So the boy Samuel and Sister Kathy mentioned him already this weekend or during this conference. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord in the temple. Now he didn't just come to the temple and sit in a chair and Eli just talked to him. He served in the temple doing authentic ministry work. You know, he performed really the the duties of a Levite, lighting the candles, opening the doors, uh, probably polishing the brass. I don't know what all the Levites did with all of that, but. Samuel was doing authentic ministry that was mentor, and he was mentored by Eli and the other leaders in the temple. Um, however, the interesting thing about Samuel, when the Lord called out to him in the middle of the night, who was it that helped him recognize the voice of the Lord? It was Eli. It was the adult mentor in his life who helped him recognize the voice of the Lord. He knew something was happening, but it was Eli who gave him direction and showed him what to do. That's our role. Kids know they love Jesus. Children who have been born again, they want to serve Christ. But it's up to us to help them to see how God wants to use them and that they can hear the voice of the Lord themselves. Now the boy kings, I'm going to just, there's three of them. King Joash was eight, age seven when he became king. And here's what the Bible says about him. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as instructed by the high priest. King Joash, he was a little boy. He probably had a heart for God. I'm sure he did. But he had to have instruction by the high priest. You know, it's really important that we look at the individual children in our ministries and even the ones that seem to have the heart for God. Sometimes the good kids, the well-behaved kids, get overlooked because they're good. We have to deal with the kids who are misbehaving, but we don't want to overlook the one that was that has a heart for God and that we instruct them to take their role and, and take that leadership role like King Joash did. King Azariah, he was a little bit older when he became king, but he was 16, and the Bible says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord just as his father had done. And you know, children's leaders, part of our role is to resource and encourage moms and dads in the spiritual development of their children. We know moms and dads love their kids. We know moms and dads want their children to be born again. But parents are busy, 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 busy. And if we can resource them in ways to help them grow their children spiritually and give them opportunity to serve God, let's do that like Azariah's father did for him. And then King Josiah, he was age eight when he became king. And the Bible says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, following in the footsteps of King David. Well, how did he know what the footsteps of King David were? Somebody in his life taught him the word of God and held up King David as an example of a man who had a heart for God, a man who was humble when he sinned and asked for forgiveness. And somebody in King Josiah's life helped him understand how to walk in that same path that King David did. All right, and the Naaman's wife's servant girl, um, she had been captured and was now a a servant in Naaman's um, Naaman's household. And the Bible says that she served. Think about that. I I always think about if one of our children was captured by an enemy and taken to a foreign country that spoke a different language, did not even worship God, would we have poured enough into that child that they could serve with a seemingly good attitude and good heart in that foreign country and then also speak what they knew about God to those captors. When I I think about that amount of service and that humility of that child and that trust and faith in God, it's really an overwhelming thing to think about. But the Bible says she served and she recommended the prophet in Samaria. And we know that Naaman did eventually go and see Elisha and God healed him. But it was because that little girl served and um, spoke God's word to him. And then even the little boy in the New Testament, the boy with the loaves and fishes, when the disciples found him in the crowd... They brought him to Jesus and listened to their words. They said, here is a boy. Now, when you go back to church the next time, maybe not tomorrow, but the next time when you go back to church, just look at the children in your your classroom and, and think, here is a boy. Here is a girl. Here's another child. Each one of them has their own unique gifts, talent, skills, difficulties, behavior issues. But here's a child available with some tools in his hands, some bread and fish. And God did, Jesus did probably the most famous, most talked about, remembered miracle of his ministry, the feeding of the 5,000, because of what the little boy in his hand, he was available so think about, here is a boy, here is a girl. What do they have in their hands that you can help them develop? And God might do the greatest work that you've ever seen in your children's ministry, in your church, could be in our nation. Could be the child that's going to help direct our nation towards the Lord could be sitting in one of our children's church services. I think about all the time, that all the time when I'm looking at this classroom's out of control. (laughs) I don't know what to do here. (laughs) And then I think, but God, you have planted yourself in the lives and the hearts of these kids, and you're going to do big things with them. Um, All right. So what's the bottom line of all this detail? I know I'm saying a lot lot of why's and so forth, but what's the bottom line? Well, let's think about two kids who attend your children's ministry. They have a similar attendance pattern. They've got similar families. One loves it. They can't wait to get into that classroom. They love your children's church. And the other one drops out before she even makes it into middle school all the way. So what's the difference between those two kids? I would venture to say that one was involved and one was a spectator. And we want to move children from being spectators to being involved. You know, I can even walk into... Uh, children's classrooms and, and churches that uh, sometimes I'm allowed to visit. And I can tell by the room set up if children are being mentored or if they're just spectators. Like, right now, and please, please, I'm not giving any judgment about anything because we all have different spaces and different reasons we do things, but this would not be the right environment for mentoring children. I'm up here just talking, 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 and you're just listening, hoping I'm going to make some kind of a point. (laughs) 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 And... That would, and I I can't mentor any of you. If we could spend some time together and you could tell me what you're all about and I could pour into you, we could have the best relationship and God could do great things. But if this is my children's church setting and all the time I'm just talking, talking, talking and they're listening, 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 I'm not saying that God's word's not being poured into them. But what we're talking about today, mentoring of children so that they can do works of ministry to serve the body of Christ, to serve in God's house, it's not going to happen like this. So, for example, maybe instead all of our kids could be sitting on the floor on a rug or in a circle or in a circle of chairs or whatever with an adult mentor that's teaching, training them, praying with them, letting them speak. That's the other thing. You know, we can't let kids just talk in children's church. It's going to go crazy. But we have to have some time that they can be active and they can speak and and they can receive prayer and so on and so individually. Um, So our society is always concerned with what's in it for me. But in the body of Christ, Christ calls his people to serve. And our privilege is to instill that sense of servanthood in our children. All right. So how how can we give kids an opportunity to minister? Well, my number one thing is to train them, train them. Once again, this is hard work for us. It adds something to our calendar or to our schedule or to our ministry, um, our ministry week. But when kids are trained in ministry, it gives them confidence. Their behavior is better controlled because they've got the focus of of the task at hand. And adult leaders know better how to lead children that they've spent some time with, training them, getting to know them, praying with them, ministering to them, and dare I say, having fun with them. (laughs) That's an important component to children's ministry. Kids have to enjoy being in God's house. This doesn't have to do with serving, but I, I feel like, If sometimes when I have just a brief opportunity with a child, they've just been in for one school year, or maybe they're in for a couple months and their family moves away, my prayer is, God, when they think back on their time in our ministry, they'll remember they loved being there because it was fun and engaging. At least they've got a good remem- a good memory of being in God's house. If, if we can do that, we have laid a great foundation. Because so many times we hear adults say, oh, I hated church when I was a kid. And so then they walked away from church. That's not what we want. We want them to love being in God's house. And getting to serve is an engaging way for them to love being in God's house. All right, so I'm gonna just talk about the training program that we do. And I'm sure many of you do some similar things, but I do want you to think about actually having a program of training, of ministry training for your children. The reason I say that is if you put things on your calendar, you put it in the, the natural flow of your ministry, it makes you do it. If you're like me, sometimes you start things and it's like, Oh, that was that was a little bit too hard. <laughs> and then we dropped those things. This is not too hard. This is of vital importance for us to train our kids to serve to serve Christ. Um, I think about our kids' training program and how I express it to them is that we're modeling it after the Levites' ministry and service in the temple. Now, the Levites who are the descendants of Aaron, they were the ones who did the sacrificing of the animals, and they were the ones who did the, the ministry before the Lord. The high priest would come out of that line. But then the regular Levites who weren't directly um, descendants of Aaron, they did the, the other stuff, like repairing the temple, cleaning it up. Um, they served as doorkeepers, singers, musicians. Um, they went out and got the supplies that were needed for the work of the ministry. Well, you know what? Every one of those things is what our kids and our Kids and Ministry program do. They are washing the tables. They are serving on a kid's praise team that we're training them to. They are working in our little prize area. They're running some of our media. They're serving on our prayer team. They're serving on our creative ministry teams, which we rotate through according to leaders, but like a sign language team, a dance team, a ri- we ribbons, like worship ribbons, or sometimes we'll just do uh, an instruments team where it can be shakers, it can be ribbons, it can be sticks or whatever. Um, Kids will serve on all those different teams, and I can just about line every one of those up with different roles that Levites had in the temple. In other words, I want children to understand that just as God called a whole team of people that we call the that were called the Levites to serve in a practical way in God's house. And there was those that brought the assembly into worship through music and so forth. And then there was those who ministered before the Lord. God is calling children to do the exact same thing. So I think um, we passed out a piece of paper. To, I'm not going to go over this piece of paper, but this is just kind of a reference for you of These are just some teams that we use in our um, kids' ministry and train them in these different roles. Now, how we do the training, though, I do want to talk to you about that. Um, once a month, we disband our Wednesday night service, and we do kids' ministry training. And we do it like clockwork every single month. And actually what the clockwork is is... On, we, we do the training on a Wednesday night, and then kids serve in that role that they were trained in for the next four Sundays. So we train on Wednesday night, but they serve in our largest service on Sunday mornings, and then we have our kids' night again that next Wednesday night. So like clockwork, all school year long. We don't do it in the summer just because of people's schedules and so forth, but I'll talk about that as well. But every, every four weeks, we have our kids' in ministry training night, and Basically what we do, we come in, I'll do a time of devotion with the children, maybe even talking about some of the things we've talked about today. I usually like to use the example of a child in God's word who ministered or served or how God used that child to, um, for his will to be accomplished. So we'll look at that and, and try to creatively teach kids w- with that. As children come in, we allow them to sign up for a ministry team but I'm real picky about this. I don't let them sign up for the same ministry team until they've served in all of our teams. Then they can go back and repeat. The reason being, some of them are more popular. Everybody wants to work the camera. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> they just do. Um, so anyways, they have to serve in all of our ministry teams. So right now we have seven that we, that we are our all-the-time teams and then one or two or three that are rotating depending on the staff that I have. So we always have a prayer team. The prayer team is, I guess, is kind of my heart, sort of my my favorite. They're, it's not as exciting, I suppose, as getting to be up front on the microphone, singing or running the spotlight or whatever. But the prayer team, we encourage them that what they're doing is they're undergirding the whole ministry of the service. And so we try to use them as often as we can through a service or through their month. So let me just give you some of the examples that we do with our prayer team. Um, at the at. At the point of our service where we pray for special needs, we call kids up. They, in our service, children have to write down their prayer needs if we're going to call them up, especially if I just said, do you have a prayer request? That's all we would do the whole entire service, as you know. So they have to write their prayer request down, and then our prayer team gets that prayer book and brings it up to me at the appropriate time in the service, and we call those children up, and the prayer team lays hands on those children And they even anoint them with oil if it happens to be a prayer for healing. That's how I instruct them to do that. And then I also have a couple of our adult shepherds come up and surround the kids with prayer. And then we individually lay hands on each one of those children and pray for them especially. And, you know, it's funny. When the kid, All the kids, when they realize we're at prayer, they all want to come up and be prayed for, but the children who run into the room at, in the morning and they write that prayer request down, I always know those are the serious things, the kids that are burdened with things that are going on at home and in their lives, and you can tell it by the, by the prayer. So anyways, the prayer team, almost every week, they serve in that capacity. Um, Every six weeks in our children's church, we pause. And if you were in one of my other classes, I know I talked about this already, but we pause and we have a Sunday that we call Remember and Celebrate. And what we do is kind of a review week. We play some review games over the things that we've learned um, over the previous six weeks from God's word and so forth. But the real reason we pause is to celebrate what God has done in our lives during those previous six weeks. So we allow children to give testimonies in the microphone, and then we remember and celebrate the real uh, remembrance and celebration, and we take communion together. And this is also a time that we always present the gospel for sure on that day for children to receive Jesus. If You know, many other Sundays too, but always. We know that's the time that we're going to allow children to um, pray to receive Jesus. The prayer team—they're—they're they're part of all that in that they are serving communion to their friends and children. I know sometimes people are funny about kids receiving communion, but um, we teach them what God's word says, and then their friends actually serve them. When I look, I usually have two sets of elements, one on each side of me, and when I look at the faces of that little prayer team as they are serving the, those elements, and we ask them, you know, when kids are coming up, you be very quiet, and you just pray in your heart as kids are coming up. And then if we have more than four kids in our prayer team, the fifth one stands, this is a kind of a very small job, but um, on that same Sunday, we also give kids rocks. It was so interesting that you did that with us um, at the prayer stations here the other night. We give kids rocks and a Sharpie marker, and they can write what they want to remember and celebrate that God has done for them in that six weeks. I write it on that rock, and they go, and they put that rock on our rock wall in the in the baskets but that other prayer kid is standing there monitoring that prayer station and being prayerful so that kids aren't coming up and trying to like dunk a basket with their rock (laughs) that that Levite is helping that portion of the temple stay in good order because it's a worshipful time. Um, The prayer team also, once a month, we have missionary offering. And so the prayer team, after we remind our kids what our projects are and who our missionaries are, the prayer team, a boy and a girl from the prayer team will come up and pray for our missionaries. Um, So those are some of the main things that our prayer team does. Of course, there's always things that come up that that kids' prayer prayer kids need to do as well. So you can look down at that list, and I think the rest of these things are probably a little bit more self-explanatory. Praise and worship team is another one that we do very specific training with them. Besides our kids' night, they also have to come to two more practices during the month because we are training them not just to sing in a microphone, but to lead the kids in worship and, and help kids focus in on worshiping God. All right, so I think there's a lot about that, all right? And then also on that Kids in in Ministry night, the other thing that we do after we train the kids in their roles, we all come back together, and this sounds kind of crazy, but we do it anyways, we do kind of a mock children's church service. And we walk through our regular schedule so that if a kid is on the prayer team, or if they're a greeter at the door, or they are one of our helping hands kids, or they're a prayer team person, they know what to do at the right time in the service. So do you see what I'm saying? That training our kids takes some time and some energy, maybe a little shift in our calendar and our to-do list, but it's so important. It's so vital. So I can always tell the Sunday after our Wednesday night training because kids are literally running into that room to get their name tags on and get into their position and get ready to serve. If that if that picture could be the picture of the body of Christ worldwide, oh my goodness, that gives me chills. Our our world would be changed like that, and we have that opportunity by training kids to serve Christ right in our own children's church. Um, now, there's a couple side things that I want to mention about children serving, because they're, they're not things that we always think about in serving. But I want to talk about baptism just for a second. Uh, baptism, that is the distinctive that we Christians have versus any other kind of religion, that we demonstrate outwardly what Christ has done on the inside of us. Is there any better serving activity that our children could engage in than being baptized and showing the world that they belong to Jesus. So what we do is every child who wants to be baptized, we I meet with them. I provide resources for their moms and dads to teach them about baptism. I think that's very important so that moms and dads are the ones leading their children to the Lord and and teach them from God's Word. But I also feel like it's my responsibility to do some checkup on that. (laughs) So they meet with me, and um, I have a little worksheet that their parents have done with them. And from that worksheet, they've kind of developed their... Testimony, their story about what Jesus has done for them. And so I talk with them about that to make sure there's understanding. And then we videotape their story. And when they're baptized, and I have the privilege of baptizing all the children in our church, when they're baptized, before we actually do the baptism, we get to see their video. And every time I'm standing in that baptismal pool with the child, who their eyes are just trained on their own video It's like I just sense the presence of the Lord in them. They realize, I am telling everybody what Jesus has done for me. And just that training them to speak their Jesus story and to give a testimony and do it in front of everybody, I just think that that is such a vital and important part of our child's development and serving. Another thing that probably a lot of us do is that we have kids' choir or musical programs. Do you? No? Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. I didn't see any hands. I'm like, okay. Um, So when we, we do a Christmas musical and then we have a performing arts camp week in the summer where we put on another musical, and I love kids to be active and involved and use their skills and talents and have fun and act and have solos and blah, 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 blah. But that is very entertainment driven. And it can also be like, well, I'm the best singer here and that's why I always get the solo parts or I'm the greatest actor. So we really work hard in those programs to help kids understand that they are serving Christ in this program. We're doing our best when we're practicing to give him our best. And then we actually get to the performance that what we're doing is we are speaking words, singing words about Jesus that kids don't really have the vocabulary on their own to say and to, and to sing. And so that becomes a ministry opportunity for them to serve and give a Jesus testimony through drama and through song. So we really encourage our, our kids to bring unsaved friends, unsaved family members, because it's an opportunity for them to be able to speak something and serve in a way that they wouldn't be able to with their own vocabulary. Um, Okay. And then we talked about serving communion. I love to have kids doing what maybe we consider grown-up things as they're serving Christ. That's that they're doing the real ministry. Listen, sweeping the floor is the real ministry too. It is. But kids can actually lay hands on their friends. They can serve communion. They can pray with one another. I'm going to have to tell you one more story. What's our time here? It's gone. It's done. Okay, I need to tell you one more story though. We have these prayer stations in our children, one of our children's church rooms, and they each have different meaning and different purposes. Um, but about two or three Sundays ago, during our time of worship, a little second grade girl started to weep, and it really, it really was not. There was not like a Holy Spirit moment. We were just singing, <laughs> sorry, we were just singing. But it, you know, a lot of I do see children weep. You know, sometimes when we're in a in a concentrated time of prayer and worship. But there wasn't anything in particular that I could sense happening. But she began to weep, and so her adult leader, her shepherd, kind of took her to the side, and then I could see there was some conversation and so forth. And then her shepherd kind of motioned to me, and I was able to go over and say, "Is everything okay?" Right in that moment, this was so beautiful. One of our prayer team kids, who was also about a second or third grade girl, came right over to that little girl and said, I'll take her to the prayer station. So we're, we're all singing. She takes us to other second, second grade girl right over here. And I was, I was curious to see where she was going to take her. So we have this one board that's got kind of like a chain link fence screwed to it gate, it's like a gate of a chain link, screwed to this piece of board. And what we do is we have these strips of fabric that one of our ministry teams cuts these strips of, actually the prayer people on their training night, um, they cut the strips of fabric and each color of fabric has a different meaning. So the orange one is if you need healing, you take that strip of fabric, you go to this little area and you pray as you tie that strip of fabric up. The red one is for forgiveness. If you know you need Jesus to forgive you, tie that up. And then purple is praise. So this little second, third grade prayer team person brought her over there, and I could just see them with both their little heads down. They were talking and praying, and then she picked up a strip of fabric, and the other little girl showed her what to do. And then they came back over, and we were still singing, and she seemed like she was fine. What a beautiful example of one child ministering to another. But that was because we trained her, you know? Okay. All right, so I know we're, we're nearly done. Let me just see if there's anything else important <laughs> that we need to say. Um, service projects are another important way for children to get out and be able to serve. Kathy, you need to tell me, I could go five minutes or two minutes or ten minutes. or We have five minutes? Okay. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. Okay. I did want to, I did want to just mention about service projects and mission projects. So outside of the children's church room. All right. And if you were in my other class about special events and so forth, I already talked a little bit about this, but children can serve around the world and partner with your missionaries and make an impact all the way around the world through prayer inside our four walls of the church I had an example this I besides being a children's pastor I was also a middle school pastor for seven years a few years back and my middle schoolers we one summer we took a project of it's a country in Africa that I didn't even know the name of them Maui or something like that Mal- Malawi right well that Malawi, or something like that. Oh gosh, I'm sorry, I can't remember. See, it was, but anyways, we had a project and we were um, providing some things for a mission in Malawi. And we all summer we did that and we prayed for them just very, very regularly. Well, this also sounds so unspiritual, but a crazy way all of a sudden that country what became prominent in the news because Madonna adopted a child from that country. And My middle schoolers, we were just flabbergasted. We were like... We've been praying for Malawi all summer long, and now the world attention is on that country. And we weren't specifically so concerned about the Madonna thing, but just the fact that the world's attention. And we just felt like God had evidently been calling people to pray for whatever was going on inside that country. And our kids were affirmed that the power of prayer, just sitting right there in our classroom, we could actually go around the world and have an influence in that country. Okay, so we always... um, Um, during the kind of our missions uh, festival time at our church, we have a prayer night for our kids called play and pray. And that whole entire night is all about prayer and children pray all night, like for an hour and a half (laughs) for missionaries, but we do it in a play atmosphere. So kids will rotate from classroom to classroom with some hands-on activities that lead them to prayer. So for example, in one room, We might have two or three world map puzzles. You know, you can just go to some kind of learning store and buy those. And kids will come in and they'll put the puzzles together. Every time they find a piece and it mat and it fits, then they stop and they pray for a corresponding missionary. So prayer is happening while they're playing. Um, In another room, we might do something similar. Maybe we've made some kind of giant matching game, and it's all of our missionaries' names or pictures or prayer requests. And so they have to flip over two, and if they get a match, then they pray for that missionary. Um, In another room, maybe every child gets a pack of M&Ms when they come in, and they open up the pack of M&Ms. We tell everybody, take one M&M out. Oh, you got a red one, and the red one corresponds to a prayer request for a missionary eat that M&M and pray for that missionary. (laughs) Anyways, so kids will be in prayer for an hour and a half and sometimes we even run out of time because kids are serving God hands-on and they know that they're reaching around the world. Little bitty kids, this is one of my very favorite things that I've done with little bitty kids, even preschoolers and then up to early elementary kids. We plan a day that we go to Build-A-Bear. Does everybody have a -A Build-A-Bear anywhere near them? We go to Build-A-Bear. Kids have to pay for their own bear, and you can, I think, you can even be as low as less than $20 for a bear. And you know how they do and Build-A-Bear when you put the heart in or whatever you put in, you make make a wish or something like that. But we pray for the person who's going to eventually get this bear. So it's fun. The kids like it. We pray. And then we might go to lunch or something. But then we take those, we pray over those bears again as a group. And then we take those bears to the local hospital So that either the children's hospital, or I even like better when we go to just a regular hospital and bring them to the emergency room, because the emergency room, people tell me, we have kids coming in here all the time, and we never have anything for them. And then we'll leave them with 20 bears that have been prayed over, and our kids just know that, you know, their prayers are touching the hearts and lives of others. Um, We take our fourth and fifth graders on a very small, what I call, M3, micro-mini-mission trip, (laughs) It's only two days. It's super cheap, and we stay right in our own city, but we feel like we go around the world on this little mission trip. So what we do is one day we do some actual ministry, uh, an outdoor sports camp, an outdoor vacation Bible school. Um, Those of you who are in my outreach class know that I've got an apartment complex ministry. We'll go over there and do one day of ministry. And so we train kids how to testify, testify, how to speak a gospel story, how to do a gospel presentation, how to use their own testimony to lead other children to the Lord. We um, help them learn how to use tracks that we give them. We we'll help them learn how to pray a prayer of salvation. And so that day, that's what that day is all about, is that kind of ministry. And, you know, we'll train them to do a puppet song and to stand up and, you know, lead another kind of worship song or whatever, all those things that you would typically do in a mission trip. And it's very, very impactful for them. So weeks of training and then that one day of ministry service in an outreach area. And I try to uh, make sure that kids have some kind of an experience with another culture on that day. Then the next day, we what we do is we try to choose three different areas in Metro Atlanta that are three different cultural areas. So it might be an Indian community, or it might be an Asian community, or Mexican or Latino community. And we will go on prayer, scaven- prayer walk scavenger hunts through those communities. Now, it's not all super spiritual. We might also go into the Asian store and look at all the interesting things that relate to their culture in most of the Asian stores they have a whole section that you can buy funeral things for your loved ones who have died so you buy like paper cardboard um, outfits of clothing or you buy paper um, cell phones or you buy paper packs of cigarettes or you buy paper shoes as a Chinese person and that you buy that and then you go offer that on, you know, however they offer that, some kind of an altar situation, and then it gets burnt up and goes to your loved one who died so they've got shoes in the next afterlife. And if they were a heavy smoker, that those cigarettes are coming along with them. (laughs) Well, when I show our fourth and fifth graders that, they are like, what? And they begin to realize the whole world does not believe like we do there's a world dying without jesus and so when we see those kinds of things where we go and eat asian food or mexican food or indian or latin food the kids begin to have this cultural experience that the whole world isn't like me and the whole world needs jesus and so i will tell them Um, facts and and prayer needs of that culture here in America or around the world. And we pray and as we're walking and visiting stores, looking at places of worship, walking through neighborhoods, hearing the language, smelling the smells, seeing the culture, being immersed in that, and praying for people around the world. I'm telling you, those two days are life-changing for fourth and fifth graders. Even uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers will come back to me and say, Do you need a chaperone? Can I go on that this year? Am I old enough to go with you? (laughs) So that's another great way to help kids serve Christ outside of their four walls. Another thing that we do that, I, um, is just so impactful, is we really try to get our families to do family backyard vacation Bible schools in their own home, in their garage, and their, on their driveway, in their backyard, in their cul-de-sac. And we provide the resources for them to do that. But we, add, we um, really encourage moms and dads to allow their children to serve with them, help the The kids make the crafts, help let their kids tell some of the Bible story, let their kids lead music, and it is, it's been impactful in our families' lives for them to use their children in ministry. All right. I'm going to close with this. So when I'm helping kids understand how important it is for them to serve Christ, not be spectators, but to be engaged in serving and engaged in ministry. I try to um, use the example of a gift, and I'll say, I have got a beautiful gift here, and inside this gift is a special tool. It's It's so special. It's the only one of its kind in the entire universe, and this is a special gift that God has given so that his work can be done all around the world, But it's unique. It's a uniquely crafted, special tool. Do you want to see what it is? Okay. Here it is. It's you. It's you. You are the unique tool in God's hand. And only you can do the job that he's assigned. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's episode to download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children.